When you buy that next plane ticket, be prepared for your life to never be the same. Today, we're talking about how travel can change your life. You're listening to Travel FOMO, a podcast for people self-diagnosed with wanderlust. Welcome to the final episode of our Best of Europe season here on the Travel FOMO podcast. We have been working our way through three months of adventures in the United Kingdom and Europe. And today we are going to talk about how travel can change your life and how it has changed ours. My name is Hillary Houghton and I'm here with the man who has changed my life, Jamin Houghton. (laughs) Hopefully most of the changes for the better. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. And we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about it. Um, We're going to tell you guys the things that made us nervous and surprised and disappointed us. But also, we're going to get into the things that we loved the most. Um, We're going to talk money. Um, We're going to get into the overall budget, what we actually spent when mm-hmm. we're whenever we talk about being in Europe for three months, um, the things that we would do differently and how it truly changed us. And we are also going to wrap it up with an interview from somebody else who has been completely and totally impacted by travel. We're going to do an interview with Katie Portanova today. She is an Italian lover and travel guide, and she has an, a podcast of her own called Florence and Me. And so we'll get to talk with her towards the end of the podcast. Um, we are so looking forward to it. So let's jump in. It's just really thoughtful conversation today. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, not necessarily location-based, just overall how travel can make you different Mm -hmm. and why we think it's important why we do the podcast why we encourage people to travel like a lot of what we hope that people gain from our podcast is in this episode yeah yeah a lot of the questions that people have for us I feel like too yeah end up here in this episode that Mm -hmm. we get to answer them here and so I'm really excited to get to talk about it why don't we start off Jamin with one that this is a question people didn't necessarily ask us about I guess maybe in the beginning right before we left people were asking us like what are you nervous about like oh my gosh it's about to happen what do you think and what were some of the things that were on your mind at the time we were about to quit our jobs we were going to travel for a year and without any jobs and only living (laughs) on savings um what were you most nervous about especially leading into these three months in the united kingdom and europe yeah i think there was a lot going on and and like you said you know we're leaving jobs and and doing that kind of stuff like we were getting rid of our apartment so we didn't have like a permanent location anymore yeah that's kind of nerve-wracking and scary But I think for me, when I was thinking about being in Europe for three months, one of the biggest things was the language. Mm. And, you know, we we both had been studying a little bit like you had taken some German in high school. You were studying Spanish through Duolingo. I was studying French through Duolingo, but we were still going to end up in places like Greece and uh Czechia and, and other places like that where we just didn't have time to to even begin. Right. And so I was like, how are we gonna do this? Like signage is gonna be different and and all of this. So I I was nervous about that kind of stuff. And when you do hop off a train or a plane in a foreign place and like 
all the signage is in another language, you just kind of look around and you feel lost. Yeah. Because you're like, I don't, I have no idea where to go. And um, so I was pretty intimidated by the idea of constantly being in a place in a language that I didn't know. Yeah. Well, and I feel like no matter what somebody tells you, um, if, no matter whenever, no matter how many times somebody tells you, like, it's okay, the language barriers isn't an issue. Did that give you any peace? <laughs> no. It really no. didn't. And and so I could tell you all day long that, oh, my sister and I, we backpack Europe. It's not going to be a problem. And it doesn't necessarily calm your nerves. Right. And I, I felt like that's one of those things that, like, you just... It's just until you experience it, you really can't know that it really will be okay. And yeah. so many, we were going to so many new countries too that I was like, well, you know what? Never been to, never been to Czechia, never mm-hmm. been to Greece. You and I were doing that for the first time, and I didn't know either if it was going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, we went to I think what like thirty six or thirty seven different cities, and for me, I'd been to like four of them, five of them. And so it was constantly a new place for me, like always like a, a, a city you've never been to. And I think all of that was kind of a little nerve wracking. Yeah. And I think the like the easy thing for my mind to go to was like, you won't know the language. Yeah. Just because like it was the easy it was the easy to identify problem. Yeah. And I feel like that it's just easy to like cling on to those things and you build them up in your mind that like, oh, this will be really tough because you don't really want to think about all the other stuff too. <laughs> and so I think for me, like language was the one that, that stuck, but it really was not a problem at all. We were yeah. never in a situation that, that ended poorly because we didn't know the language. Right, right. And I mean, navigating the train system, that can be like kind of on your mind a lot too. Mm. Um, also, you know, we've got all these belongings at home and like, are these things going to be okay? Yeah. Like we were, we had an Airstream at home that we were just storing like with like in a carport kind of area and hoping somebody didn't break in to rob us of everything we own. Well, that's, I mean, that is the thing. We had like three storage units. Right. One with our stuff from uh-huh. our apartment, one with our Airstream, mm-hmm. and one with our truck, yep. all in different places. Yep. And yeah, so it was, it was a lot to, to coordinate. Right, right. I was most worried about our safety. I was always worried about our safety, which goes right back to like my sister and I backpacking Europe and I was like uh, just a bundle of nerves and I didn't have as much fun. I wasn't that nice or friendly to people because I was always worried that every person was a bad person. So I really hope that that I start to shake that off over time of more international travel, more frequent international travel, I think will help with that. So So I feel like for for you and we haven't uh, we haven't started talking about america yet like that's coming in our in our next season our very next episode we'll start that but for the most of well not the most of but the first third of our time in america you were nervous about bears oh for sure so were you more scared for our safety in europe or um bear attacks in uh in the u.s Definitely more scared of bear attacks in the U.S. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But, you know, the number one worry probably was being away from our dog, Maggie. Yeah. Like, I just, 
it just killed me. Like, and she was in wonderful hands. Your mother was graciously taking care of her the whole time. Mm. She had an incredible backyard. Your papa beau, your grandfather was there as well. And he loved on her way more than <laughs> any attention she ever got from us. So she was eating bacon and all kinds of stuff <laughs> while we were gone. So she was doing just fine. But in my head, I was so worried that she was going to try to get out of the backyard and come look for us and she would get lost or attacked and and that your mom wouldn't be able to just search the world for her that or, or that you couldn't find her I didn't know I, I just the scenarios were running rampant in my mind and then I finally realized like there's nothing I can do she'll probably be just fine that was a big worry for me but what surprised you the most about the whole time there abroad I mean, for me, especially our time in Europe, I was surprised at how much I liked all of it. Mm, um, I love that. You know, it it's all these different, like like 17 different countries or 18 different countries or whatever, and all of these different cities. And I thought there's going to be places that I just don't like. Mm -hmm. And there were definitely places that I liked more than others. Like I can easily identify like my favorite places. But I was amazed at how much I enjoyed all of it. Mm -hmm. um, even places that we didn't know much about um, or that I thought like, well, it's okay. Like it's kind of necessary. Like Athens. Yeah. Athens was a place that's like, okay, we're flying from Rome into Greece and we're going to kind of start our, and so we'll spend a couple days in Athens and see the, like, you know, see the Acropolis and all, you know, all this stuff. And I thought it'll be fine. Like I wasn't dreading it at all. I was like, it'll be fine. It was amazing. It was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. Um, San Sebastian, another mm -hmm. one that I was like, well, we've heard the food's good there mm -hmm. and it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Where we want to go, like we'll leave Bordeaux and, and go to San Sebastian and be our first stop in Spain. And But I was like, but I kind of will just kind of be waiting to get to Barcelona. Right. But we wind up in San Sebastian and I was like, I wish we were staying longer. Mm -hmm. This place is, is amazing. Um, even like Valencia, again, was another one that I was like, well, you know, like I'll really be looking forward to Barcelona. And Valencia will be fine. We'll go to the beach. And we show up, we're staying in this little fisherman's village. The Airbnb is incredible. The people are amazing. Yeah. The food's really good. Like we go to the most beautiful market that you've mm -hmm. ever seen in your life. Just this amazing central market in the city of Valencia with all this fresh food and fresh produce. And we had tortillas and empanadas and churros and it just all of it was so incredible around every corner that I was just blown away that I could like every piece of it and every piece of it for multiple reasons mm -hmm. you know we were going to Lyon and we thought well we'll have some really great food it's like the culinary capital of the world and we'll have some really great food but the atmosphere and the buildings and the people and in this place in France were just amazing. The people were so amazing in Lyon. And having conversations in a like in a t-shirt shop with 
the guy working behind the counter where you sit and, and you talk for 20 minutes and you hear about like what he thinks about America mm-hmm. and what first comes to his mind and, and things like that. And um, it was just incredible how much I enjoyed every piece of it. Yeah. What, uh, what surprised you? Um, I think I was surprised about the places that I didn't really know anything about. Um, so kind of like you mentioned, um, surprised that there were some places that you kind of put on the calendar more than I did. Right. It was like, you're like, I've heard good things. We should do this. We should do this. And you, and you showed me pictures and I was like, yeah, we should do it. But there's a difference between like owning it in your heart and letting somebody else own it. And I felt like there were places that you owned in your heart a little bit more than I did. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised that when we left, I felt like I owned them in my heart, too. And so it was really uh, one of them that comes to mind is Strasbourg. You had really put it on the calendar for us, really thought like we got to find a way to get there. And so we get there. I love it. We've stayed in the historic district. It was literally like going back in time and being in the little beauty of the beast village and living in the little cottage on the river and people we would open up the windows and people would be taking pictures of our airbnb from across the stream and you'd like wave at them with a glass of wine and be like i can't believe this is my real life and um I don't know, just stuff like that just really sticks out to me. And I knew nothing about that place before you had put it on the calendar for us. And so I love learning new things and going new places. And so for me, it was those new places that just like really stand out too. I was also really surprised at how inexpensive it was. Yeah, It was like really, when it was all said and done, it was really pretty inexpensive and we were are gonna get to that guys we are actually gonna go into our finances and the budget here in a second and and actually tell you this is what we budgeted this is what we actually spend and here's how it was allocated but it was surprisingly inexpensive and when I look back I wish I hadn't been as hung up on the cost of things and really let myself enjoy it a little bit more and there were times I think it would have been lovely for us to just have a bottle of wine by the river in a cafe Mm -hmm. and I held myself back and you know made you know and was like no 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 no. we can't afford to do that and when I should have just been like buy the bottle of wine we're (laughs) never coming we might never get to come back here so um anyway that's I think that surprises me especially in in a in a lovely way um how inexpensive it was yeah I I agree with that. You know, we're on a budget and especially starting out the year that way, you're like, okay, we only have so much. And so we, it has to last, but we, we had enough and we had plenty of reserves and, you know, it, it took us a little bit longer to get jobs when we got back than we expected. But even still, like we had plenty of, of reserves saved up and it was just not as expensive as, as you thought, and I wish we had done a little more. But yeah. what, uh, well, and that's even like, that's, you know, the U.S. and like, that's down the road. Like right. this, this part of it specifically is kind of what I'm speaking to is this yeah. specific part of gap year was so inexpensive and so full mm-hmm. of, of memories that just blow me away. Um, was there anything that disappointed you about that three months there? Um, honestly, I, I wouldn't, well, I'll say this. I wouldn't change it. 
I think we did exactly what we should have done. But I hated having to rush so much. We wanted to see so much. It's such a, a rare opportunity that we had to we had to keep moving. And so having to rush through, I felt like every place when we left, there was like two or three things that I was like, man, I wish we'd have gotten to see this. Or I wish we'd have gotten to do that. And it it just I just wanted there to be more time, really. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have given up any of our stops. So if you gave me the same amount of time, like I would still have done what we did. Mm -hmm. But I just I just wanted more time. Yeah. What about you? Anything that that you were like disappointed in? You know, the food in Germany still (laughs) leaves me lacking. No. Um, scratchy tells in the Airbnbs. <laughs> you didn't like the scratchy I was tells. not a fan. I just never knew if I was going to arrive to an Airbnb where I felt like everything was like clean and fresh and smelled good. Or if I was going to arrive somewhere where I was like, I don't know if y'all washed the sheets last time somebody <laughs> left. I don't but, know how many times you brought a towel for me to smell. And I'd be like, it's, it, smells, it smells like a towel. Because I thought it smelled bad. Yeah. Oh. You're always like, you smell this, smell this towel. Oh, you like, it smells, it smells like a towel. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> And then one time you like, you run into the room and you're like, smell this towel. And I was like, oh yeah. I'm, and you're like, isn't that amazing? It smells so good. Yeah. I think we were in a hotel <laughs> that time. Yeah. Well, and um, the, the thing that I look back and notice is that like we would have washing machines but we wouldn't really have dryers necessarily and so um you kind of realize like these people in europe in many instances they are washing the towels and the laundry and they're they're hanging them to dry Mm -hmm. and it's not exactly like out in the wind getting like tossed around and dried (laughs) fresh you know it you know it's just it's it's hang drying and then it might be a little stiff it didn't have fabric softener in a dryer kind of situation and so i had to kind of like get used to that idea and know that you know this is how they do it here this is just how it is like it's okay so (laughs) well and pro tip if you're doing your laundry in scotland don't do it the day before you leave because you have to hang out all of your clothes all over your Airbnb and pray, pray, pray for them to dry because right. it's cold and damp there. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes forever. I forgot. That's right. <laughs> you know, I was also disappointed, though, in how expensive it was to hike in Switzerland. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, um, and we did know this on some level, but we didn't know the degree to which this would really impact us yeah um but switzerland we knew is expensive and it is and if you want to go on a hike a lot of hikes start a lot of the great hikes start up really high because they're such huge mountains you're not Mm going to start at the bottom you're going to they're going to take you up in a cable car and then you'll start the hike and have these amazing views the entire time totally worth it um but it is pricey to get on one of those cable cars yeah it could cost forty dollars per person it could cost seventy dollars per person easy right 
per time you get on a ticket and, and get a ticket. So um, that's just something to think about. There are passes you can buy if you're going to be in Switzerland long enough that would make that really worth it. Um, and we probably, I think for us, we were like, uh, I don't know if it'll really be worth it. I think in the long run, it would have balanced out and it we might would have gone on one more hike. But yeah. Yeah, we were we were there just a short enough amount of time that I don't think it made a lot of sense for us to do the Swiss pass. But yeah, a lot of the hikes you see, the hike may be free, but that gondola ride ain't. And man, yeah. That's right. So speaking of like how much things cost and how expensive they can or cannot be, let's talk through sort of our budget and what we spent. And just let people know, like, if you're wanting to go do what we did, this is how much it cost us. Yes. Let's talk money. Okay. So we budgeted around 10000 averaging a month. Right. So we thought, okay. And that's USD. Yeah. US dollars. Um, it's going to cost us about ten grand every month, three months in Europe. So we're thinking $30,000 to spend three months in Europe. Um, it's a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of people spend a lot of money, though. A lot of people spend 10K to go on a week-long trip. Right. So we felt like that was still great value. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, we are quitting our jobs, though, and we are doing this. And, you know, so we're not taking time off for this. So right. we understand not everybody is traveling in the, with this kind of extended window. Mm-hmm. But we also know if you're listening to this podcast, you may very well be interested in doing that. So we're going to break down some of these details for you. Um, Jamin, why don't you ten, tell them what our actual spend was? Because I'm so proud. <laughs> well, we were over budget. <laughs> I'm, I'm maybe not proud of that part, but I... <laughs> no, no, she's proud. I am very proud at how little we're over budget. <laughs> yeah, this, this is often how the budget talks go. It's like, aren't you proud that we're only a little bit over budget? (laughs) (laughs) Real life, right there. (laughs) But no, it uh, it was actually really, really close. Uh, We were thirty two thousand six hundred dollars for three months, and we'll uh, we'll kind of walk you through like what all that was. But that's our total cost of everything that that was spent. And I mean, I think for us coming up with a budget, kind of like pulling it out of air on a little research and going like, okay, 10 K a month. Like yeah. we got, we got really, really close to that with the, with 32,600. And yeah. we had a couple of things that we weren't anticipating and that, that put us over. So we had um, expenses and these are just kind of like expenses that you can't avoid. And we had for the three months that we were in Europe, uh, $3,618 for things like our cell phones, um, so that we could have international plans. Those were $250 per person per month. Um, so that we could use our phones whenever. Um, these were our storage units. So we had three different storage units, one for our truck, one for our Airstream, one for all of our stuff. And uh, those were around $400 a month. Um, our car insurance, like 285 a month, that's for our truck and our Airstream. Um, we also had uh, stuff like Netflix and stuff like that. So for the three months, $3,618 for those kinds of like stable expenses. Yeah. And those are like not tangible expenses. So you can kind of think of those as like things you would never consider when you think about 
staying overseas for a few months. <laughs> yeah, like you got something has to happen. <laughs> yes, like these things still exist. So if you have a home, if we had had a home and rent and stuff like that, it would have fallen into this category of these monthly expenses that are going to keep happening no matter what. Right, yeah. Yeah, so we just wanted to have a category for that. Just to break things down for you guys, we've got monthly expenses like that, then we've got accommodations, transportation, the, the money we spent dining out, entertainment, cash, souvenirs, groceries, and some miscellaneous stuff. So that kind of tells you how we're breaking things down. And for accommodations, that was our next category. It is really interesting. It was about 12 grand. So this is our biggest bucket of stuff, right? right. Yeah. So we really kind of dove into this and, and spent some time on it to better understand where that money went. I was really proud because um, Jamin had come up with a budget for us. He was like, okay, let's try to keep it to $150 a night. And we did. Yeah. We actually got down to 136 average a night. That's under budget, by the way. Under budget. <laughs> That's how that looks like, guys. When you budget and it works, that's what that looks like. <laughs> so that was kind of our, our actual spend. But we really kind of looked into that a little bit more because we were so curious. Okay, so the cheapest place that we stayed was in Prague, and it was $66 a night. And one of the reasons that was really cheap was because we actually stayed there three nights. And so for over the course of three nights, you're kind of spreading out that like Airbnb cleaning fee and all of that. So it ends up um, really making it a little bit more affordable. Um, that and, and also Czechia is just a pretty affordable place to be. Um, we actually found that the cheapest countries were Czechia, um, where we stayed in Prague and Chesky Krumlov were really affordable. And then Italy was actually really affordable too. And some of the really cheap places were, I think Naples was one of the cheapest places we stayed in Italy and Rome and Florence. So we actually stayed in really affordable places. So yeah. And, and just to give people an idea too, like our priority was location. And so we stayed in great locations in all the places that we stayed. So we were never like going to compromise location. We always wanted to be in the city center so that we weren't spending our time traveling to the things that we wanted to see. We wanted to be part of like the neighborhoods in the places that we wanted to, to stay. And so that's kind of what we prioritized and then cost and then amenities behind that. Um, our most expensive place was Venice. Um, we only stayed one night and it was $314. Uh, for the one night, but it was in a palace on the Grand Canal. And we just decided beforehand, you know what, we're getting a, a better deal some other places, so it's all going to average out. And we'll stay a really nice place in Venice for one night. And our most expensive countries uh, was England. Uh, that included stays in London, Bath, Dover, Stratford-upon-Avon, all really nice places. Um, through the UK, you are going to pay a little more. It's just a little more expensive. Um, some of our other really expensive places were actually in in Italy, um, like Venice and Sorrento and Cinque Terre. But all of those places we identified as places that we wanted to stay in a little more special of a of a spot. So in Venice, we're on the Grand Canal. Sorrento, we had an ocean view. Cinque Terre, um, we we picked another great location. So you know we were willing to spend a little more in those spots to get. A really great place yeah yeah those it's really interesting that italy could be one of your cheapest places or one of your most expensive places to <laughs> yeah. stay 
That's interesting. And then also just an interesting note, um, you know, we talk about uh, Venice being so expensive for one night and, you know, you stay somewhere for one night and you've got all of these fees piled up on that one night. Mm. And um, we did find that when we sorted through all of the the different costs to stay in different locations, we found that our top five most expensive places to stay were where we stayed one night. And and there were other places that were really affordable for one night, but the top five most expensive stays were definitely places that we also stayed for just one evening. So we'll just have to stay longer next time, Jamin. <laughs> <laughs> make it make it work for the budget or maybe we stayed only one night because it was expensive that's true too <laughs> that is true okay so when you look at transportation we spent around forty one hundred dollars forty one fifty one seventy four to be specific <laughs> not that you guys really care but um we'll we we'll break that down for you a little bit because it's really interesting transportation is so different over there yeah so you're looking at different kinds of costs that you in america you might think of renting a vehicle or taking a taxi or something like that but in europe um they use a lot of public transportation and so that is what we did we started out with a eurorail pass which was like our minimum bare minimum we were going to have a url pass and we bought a 90 day global pass and we did it on black friday on the thanksgiving day or the the black friday right before we went on gap year so that would have been what like a good seven months yeah in advance at mm, least yeah. um but that was great because we got it 50 percent off yeah. so it was like 950 dollars per person um and that pass is it doesn't cover everything but it covers huge chunks of train travel yeah so we, we had hoped it would cover ferries too but it not enough to really matter not the way that we wanted it to work out <laughs> exactly some of it you know was just it was too complicated and limited for us to actually deal with it so um it also doesn't cover things like train reservation fees and so that's just something to know that you some trains require reservations and your rail does not cover the cost of those reservations um you're also going to pay for things like buses that's included in this cost that we uh, mentioned and um i think we spent around five hundred dollars on ferries uh, because once you get to Greece and Italy and stuff you end up really wanting to be on the the water and the ocean and there's a lot of ferries involved um, we also did a lot of flights um, we spent what eight hundred dollars for both of us on all of our flights yes and that's because we used points um, right for our flights from the US to London so that ended up uh, just costing us like $425 in like fees. So we definitely recommend if you are disciplined enough to pay it off every month, mm -hmm. getting a credit card that will allow you to earn some kind of points. Yeah. Um, we have one that earns us American Airlines points. We use it on a lot of our vacations that we take. A lot of our flights that we take, um, we use points for. So it's a great way to pay for a little of your travel if you are disciplined enough to pay off your balance in every full. single month yes. in full and not uh, get yourself charged interest because then you'll be going the wrong direction. But yeah, great thing to do. And then uh, we took a lot of local airlines around uh, like Ryanair and those flights cost us like 375 bucks total. 
total. And that's flying from Edinburgh to Dublin, Dublin to Paris, Rome to Athens, and Mykonos to London. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the cost for both of us to do four flights. You're talking eight <laughs> flights yeah. for $375. And those budget airlines like Ryanair, there's a lot of rules to them mm-hmm. about like getting to pick your seats or like anything that you want to do is going to cost you a little extra. So just know that like luggage and checking bags and all everything is going to cost a little extra. If you want peanuts, I think you can go to the bathroom for free, but that's probably it. Yeah. I think your seatbelt might be included. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. So just know that, but know that you can get around really cheap Mm -hmm. um, in Europe for that. Yeah. Okay, so our second highest cost or category, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. was dining out. Yeah. And for us, this includes a lot of different things. So not only restaurants, but cafes where we're getting coffee or getting a pastry or stuff like that. We include gelato, little treats along the way, popping into a pub and having a, a pint or two, um, having a spritz in Rome, mm-hmm. like all of that we included in this dining out expense. And it was around $5,620 for the mm-hmm. three months that we were there. Yeah. And again, we tried to be really conscious um, to not eat out expensively a lot. Like we tried to go have really great experiences in the cities that we were in, but mm-hmm. we knew kind of like we're going to go have one nice meal in each city. And then the rest of the time we're going to, try to make it a little cheaper yeah. and and be more conscious of of what we're spending and and that's how we were able to do it and i i feel pretty good about that number like i i think that that's a a reasonable ask and yeah. i probably would have even spent more if i could go back yeah i think me too me too and just to tag on to that um we also had a grocery category and that was around a thousand dollars, maybe almost mm-hmm. eleven hundred. It looks like. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you've got, you know, fifty six hundred dining out, another thousand or so for groceries, and eleven hundred for groceries. So, um, you know, you're looking, you're looking at six to seven thousand worth yeah. of eating. And I will say, like, we did a lot of groceries, and we would cook at home. We would mm-hmm. make sandwiches and mm-hmm. take them with us, like when we we're out during the day, and we would eat sandwiches on a train or stop and eat sandwiches in a park. Yeah. And that's a really fun, great experience. Yeah. And going to a local grocery store is super cool too. It's a cultural experience in itself. Yeah. If you want to go to a place where there's not going to be a lot of tourists and it's going to be mostly locals, uh, the grocery store mm-hmm. is, is where you're going to find that. Yeah. And um, it was awesome to just to see what there was. So definitely recommend doing that. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell everybody about like entertainment? Yeah. So surprisingly, we honestly didn't spend as much on entertainment as we did on just eating and enjoying the cultural foods. Um, Entertainment was around 30, almost 3,800. Um, and we, this includes things like the tours. Um, uh, some of that was walking tours. Um, there's probably some costs in here that's not included, which would be like some of the cash we spent, 
giving a tip to a tour guide right. or something like that. So so that came out of some of the cash. Um, but we we documented so much of this though, guys. Um, we bought all kinds of tickets, including this would include tickets to see something in the London theaters or right. the William Shakespeare Theater in Stratford upon Avon, mm-hmm. um, or going to a castle, and that's it's gonna cost you money to get into a castle. And so all of those types of things we put into this entertainment category. Um, and it was, um, I mean, all of them, with the exception of some you guys may have heard in the last episode called Worst of the Worst. <laughs> all of them, other than those, were, were really worth it. So, um, yeah. yeah. And we had some big ticket stuff in there, too, like paragliding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We, we did an amazing Chianti wine tour in Florence. Yeah. We did the Blue Grotto tour of Capri. Yeah. Um, some, like, bigger ticket stuff that was definitely worth it and really cool and that's all included in in that number um you did mention that we took cash um it was around a thousand bucks i think like 970 bucks and we took 600 dollars with us and we ended up getting money out of some atms and some places i know yeah. in in chesky crumble there's hardly any place that took cards i think like we paid for our dinner with a card and everything else had to be cash because it was such a small place yeah and, that's right. We had to get some check crowns out, but um You know what's interesting too though is that we came back with a lot of cash. And we had, yeah. we did not uh, counter that or you know uh, include that in this. Right. But we did come back with at least 100 pounds worth of cash. Um, yeah. So that's interesting note that I just now thought of, but um but yeah, yeah. cash is a must. You you definitely need to be prepared to have some cash on you. Yeah, you need to have cash on you. Stuff's going to cost and you need to like get some some local currency. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we went from pounds to euros to northern Irish pounds, which are different than British pounds <laughs> to uh back to euros and Czech crowns and Swiss francs and um yeah, the Czech crowns were that's was just like monopoly money. I feel like everywhere else I could do the calculation in my head and Czech crowns would be like, uh, let me have a, a donut and a Coke. And they'd be like, that's 750. And you're like, I, I don't know if that's cheap or expensive, <laughs> no but idea. here you go. Here's 750 crowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we also kind of had a category set aside for things that we bought um, that are tangible items you can wear or hold in your hand or put on your feet. <laughs> yeah. As we bought several pairs of shoes while we were there, um, but honestly, it was it was around twelve hundred dollars, twelve sixty actually, and. This these are items that we call souvenirs, the whole category souvenirs, because it's items we bought for ourselves, items we bought for other people Mm -hmm. and maybe shipped home or or um, actually brought home with us. Um, And and a lot of that did include like clothes for ourselves or shoes. You needed a rain jacket at one point, bought you a rain jacket. Um, But, you know, the interesting part is if you really look at that, that twelve hundred dollars and you break that down, that is spending. gosh that's like two hundred dollars per person per month yeah that's not much no it's not much especially for souvenirs like um i bought multiple like a dress oh no how many dresses like (laughs) four or five a A ton of dresses um (laughs) a pair of pants at least one pair of pants um two pairs of shoes one of them being pair of doc martens 
uh, a ton of stuff. I really <laughs> yeah. did. Came I came home with a, a different wardrobe, it felt like. But, yeah, yeah. And I love it. I love it. Well, it is like, I do recommend <laughs> buying clothes in, in foreign places because you always, uh, and buying something of quality because you can usually get a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you have something that is tangible that you can use and that every time you put it on you you think of it yeah and you know i have a pair of shoes that we bought not on this particular trip but a time before in rome and every time i get that pair of shoes out and put them on i really like them and i always think about how i got them in rome yeah and so it's a it's just a fun way to like spend a little money on yourself treat yourself and but walk away with something like tangible and usable yeah yeah well, and then we had this random little category of miscellaneous stuff. This could probably have fallen in under entertainment now that I think of it. But we had things like, you know, sometimes you have to pay for the bathroom. And sometimes you need to store your bags because you're stopping, you're having a day trip to a place. That happened to us multiple times in York, England, and Milan, Italy. Um, uh, also in Austria, we had to like leave our bags somewhere because we didn't mm-hmm. want to take them on an Alpine roller coaster or we didn't <laughs> right. want to walk through a city for a whole day carrying our bags. And so, um, you would have to pay to store your bag somewhere. And so, but really that it was a small little category, like 40 bucks or so, like it wasn't much. So, um, I will, I will give everyone a little insight. So as we read through these and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but as we read through them. Every time that I gave you a number, I rounded up from where it was. <laughs> and every time Hillary gave you a number, she rounded down oh my from where gosh. it was. So just to give you an idea about how budgets are handled and things like that, um, that's how we see things in this family. That is so true. <laughs> that is really funny. And another, uh, another little tidbit about the cash, um, always have cash on you, bathrooms in Europe, uh, typically cost cash and if you're Hillary you don't ever have cash and so you have to come to me and ask for cash yeah you always need to bring a Jamin <laughs> and then I get to ask you why it is that you need a euro right now what are you going to spend this on <laughs> <laughs> so just a little way to entertain yourself while you're in Europe be the one that has the cash yeah, then you don't, don't have be... to go to someone else when you need to take a poop. Oh, that's exactly where I was going with that. It's like <laughs> it's really humbling to have to go to your husband and be like, "I need a euro because I need to go poop." <laughs> but seriously, though, we ran so many cities, mm-hmm. and I would we would be like just somewhere in this massive city, and I'd be like, "I have to go to the bathroom." I like have to go to the bathroom. Like there's no possible way I will make it back home. I have to go to the bathroom. And so it'd be like, okay, well, where are we going to find a bathroom? And can we find a free one? Can we get into a train station? If we get into a train station, will we still have to pay? Like you always need to have cash on you for that reason. <laughs> so that uh, that's a lot of talk about, uh, about money. Um, hopefully poop. you found that helpful. And hopefully you can plan your trip with using ours as like, just a little bit of a barometer. So what would you do differently kind of overall? Like yeah. just something something that, that you would have done if you could have it back? Um, I would 
love to spend more time in each location. And I know we've both mentioned that, but I think um, it does make it more affordable if you don't have to move as quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But not for that reason so much as just there's so much to see in each place. And and you don't know how different all these cultures are until you get over there and really experience them. And you realize that. You know, Austria and Germany and Switzerland are all very, very different. And in your head, they may seem similar, but they are very unique and you want time in all of them. And that's just one example. But I I agree. And you have to like you kind of have to do the things Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of get those things out of the way Mm -hmm. to then be able to do the really amazing things. Yeah. You can't go to Paris and not see the Eiffel Tower. Right. But until you've seen the Eiffel Tower, you can't go see some of the other really cool stuff like the Luxembourg Gardens or, Mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of things that, you know, the Pierre Lachey and, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that, that that until you've done the big thing, you can't do the other things. And so you need that time. And yeah, Um, I would say like the nightlife a little more, too. Um. We were moving so quickly and traveling so much and trying to run in every location. that, And so we would get up early to run and go, 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 go all day. That A lot of times, by the time the night rolled around, we'd be pretty tired. And we'd go to dinner and finish dinner and be like, we just need to go back. <laughs> we right, we're to like, back. tomorrow's going to be another huge day. we got to yeah. go to bed. So I think more time would have enabled us to enjoy the nightlife a little more. Yeah, as well. I love that. So, Jamin, how do you think it has changed us? What do you think? How's, how do you think it's changed you? I think travel gives you a different perspective on the world. Until you've actually been there and seen it, it's sort of make-believe. And the the values that people have and, and how they are... Um, doesn't really compute until you've been there and you've seen it for yourself and and you just see you see how things really are and you walk away with a different perspective on it um the world is so big and you realize there's so much that you didn't know and so much that you assumed that was wrong and that you have so much to learn and so much more to gain and so much that you never thought of and never considered. But it's also so small and people are a lot the same and people have the same um, kind of values and, and similarities to you and, and you start to really understand where people are coming from in a way that unless you have traveled and talked to people and interacted, it's hard to, it's hard to wrap your mind around. And I know when we were in, in several places, but one in particular that I'm thinking of in Lyon, I was talking to somebody and, and it's this guy and and he grew up in Lyon and, and he asked me why, why'd you come to Lyon? And, and I said, well, we, you know, we've been to Paris and we wanted to see more of France. And he was really glad that we had done that, that we had gotten away from just Paris and that we had come to, to, to Lyon. And, and I asked him about, 
you know, places that he had been and, and he'd been a lot of, you know, he'd been all over Europe and, um, he told me that he wanted to come to the U S but that he was kind of afraid to because of, uh, because of the guns. And, you know, I, I have no idea where people are politically and that's not what this is about. I, I don't want to have that conversation, but I had never considered that before about somebody's perspective and, and what someone thinks a world away of, of where I'm from and who I might be. And you realize like, wow, like we walk around with a lot of assumptions about people, who people are and what they think. And, and they're really not that much different than us. And we're really a lot the same. And we just have huge holes in our perspectives that until we get out and we interact with people and we, and we see, we don't understand. Um, and you just find out so much about history and you see what impacts people and why they think and feel the way they do. And so much of it is tied up in, in where they're from and what has happened where they are. And you understand why things are the way they are because of the history that's taken place there. And it's just, it's so much perspective coming at you all at once that, that you can't really prepare for. What, uh, what about you? How do you think that you are different now than before we went? Well, I think something you just said um, is really a good stepping stone into one of the main things that I think about when I think when I ask myself this question and it's the idea that this whole trip made me more curious and I I was already already curious and maybe less curious as much as I adored other places you know it's like oh I just love it there I just love it I just feel so much peace over there and this made me more curious about things like world history and because every place you go if you go on a tour or something you go back centuries and centuries and you end up learning something from way back but then you go to the next place and they tell you their same history through all those same years but the history is different and then you go to the next place and you go on some tour and they go backwards and they might hit up like the black plague and they talk about the black plague but their story about the black plague is different because it hit in a di- at a different time mm-hmm. or it had a different kind of impact and you start to see really quickly the world history happening and overlapping all at the same time over these centuries and you get to hear it played out um, and that was really fascinating to me it did make me want to go back and study world history and the impact that we all had on each other over centuries and centuries and centuries I think that's pretty fascinating and I've never liked history like I couldn't tell you ever <laughs> when I've liked history so that was really fun and then also I just feel like it liberated me. The specific trip, I had just come out of a mode of life where I was very career driven, very, um, I had a, a very clear identity of who I was and it revolved around my, who I was at work. Yeah. And it, that included my personal appearance 
my way of thinking, my attitude, everything. And it all stemmed back to, well, who am I eight hours a day at work? Right. I say eight hours a day. It was more than eight hours a day a lot of times. But, you know, it was right. very all, um, it was all consuming. And this was very liberating because I spent a lot of time getting to be incredibly casual. Even though Europeans aren't as casual as Americans, it was still really casual for me. And it um, allowed me to see all the different styles of clothes that people were wearing, which sounds really surfacey, But it's so fun to see how people share themselves and who they are through their mm -hmm. attire and different cultures do that too and so you get to go to all these different places and see all these different people with their own style choices and they it seemed like they were all very liberated in how they chose to show themselves and so it allowed me to do that as well and I feel like now I have I've kind of gotten back to this older version of me or younger version of me I should say a younger version of me that isn't as worried about aligning with people in my circle, people within my generation or my age. Instead, now I feel like I look at a style and I go, do I or do I not like that? Mm. If I like it, I'm going to wear it and I don't care who's wearing it or I don't care that they may younger be me. They may be younger than me or they may be older than me. If I like it, I'm going to wear that because I've spent so many months watching all these people walk around where it's just at a certain point you throw your hands up and you're like, I don't know what's fashionable because everywhere <laughs> I go, there's a different style or there's no style at all because everyone does their own thing because they're liberated. Yeah. And so anyway, I felt very liberated by the time it was all said and done. And now I dress that way. <laughs> One other thing that I think we would both agree has really been a big part of the result of all of this is that we've become much more minimalist and we live a much more minimalist lifestyle. We think about everything we're about to purchase and if we really want to spend our money that way and if we really want to own something. And um, I feel like it's even made us more eco-friendly um, because Europe is so much more eco-friendly and just the idea of like buying used clothes or buying something that's recyclable um, it's for us it just feels so much more like we're seeing the big picture of life and that's definitely been impactful for me it's definitely changed whether or not I own a lot of things I would rather spend my money on the experiences than all of these possessions and belongings that have historically been a part of my life um something that I can attest to because we went on this trip but is not like is not my concept by any means it's something that I've heard about a couple of times and read a little bit about but it's this idea that unique experiences lengthen your life and here's what i mean by that and what that concept is if i think about three months of my life when i am working and doing my thing and you ask me like what happened for those three months and and if you're if you're just going through life like like everybody has to do you know, it's part of life. Like you go to work and that like, I could tell you, I probably worked out a little bit, probably ran a little bit. I worked a lot. 
I might be able to recall, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with some friends or an instance of this or that. I might be able to tell you about one or two meals during that three month period and, you know, a, a significant life event. If, if somebody had a kid or if somebody had a milestone birthday or anniversary, I might be able to recite that for you, but it would be like three or four days in that three month period that I would have a really good grasp on what happened that day. But if you introduce unique experiences like we did for 87 days while we were in Europe, I can tell you about almost every meal that I ate. I can tell you about tons of shops that I went into. I can tell you about tons of things that I did about tons of places that I stayed. I have those days, all of those days, because all of those days had unique experiences. And so I hold on to those days. Whereas in normal life without those unique experiences, a lot of those days are just gone and they're just work. And I sent some emails and I was in some meetings and I got some stuff done, but those days are just gone. But travel creates those unique experiences and gives you those days. If you think back to the last trip you went on and you may not be in a place where you can go like travel for three months. We're not in a place right now where we could go travel three months right now. Like we're working, we have our jobs, like the, it's, it's part of life. But if you think back to the last trip you took, you've probably got most of those days. There's, they're yours. Your life has become lengthened by those unique experiences. And I think that's something so invaluable that we took from this gap year experience is all those unique experiences and all those unique days that we have now that have lengthened our life. I think that's such an amazing concept and is so, so true um, for our time in Europe. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Where did you first read about that? I remember you sharing that article with me and I just thought, that's incredible. <laughs> well, I've, I came across the concept in a very uh, juvenile way. Um, it was mentioned on a show called Good Mythical Morning uh, <laughs> that I watch on YouTube. Um, if you're a fan of Good Mythical Morning and you know who Rhett and Link are, um, maybe you heard it too, but that uh, Rhett shared it randomly as this thought. And I was like, that's interesting. I'm going to look into that. And I looked it up and, and found that article that I sent to you and, and have, have read other stuff about it. But that's, that's where I was first introduced to it was like a really juvenile show. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I feel like that is so motivating for me when it comes to travel and how it contributes to your life and how you could spend money on so many other things and, or you could spend spend it on lengthening your life and your memories, lengthening all of those memories that you get to hold in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. You won't live longer because of it, but you will live more. Yeah. Live more fully. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
Well, we wanted you guys to also get to hear from someone else whose life was dramatically shifted after they started traveling internationally. And so today we have an interview discussion that we are going to include here with Katie Portanova. And she is an Italian lover and a travel guide. And she also hosts a podcast called Florence and Me. And so today we are going to continue this conversation with Katie. We're going to dive right into that interview and hear what she has to say about how travel changed her life and how it impacts her on a day-to-day basis. We will go ahead and get started. One of the things I do want to point out real quick is something that stood out to me whenever I heard your podcast is you kept talking about your mother-in-law living in Castelfiorentino. And that really stuck out to me because I've never heard anybody talk about that little village. Um, If some of our listeners might remember that if you go back to one of our first seasons, the secret season, we interview my sister and the two of us kind of reminisce on our time that we spent backpacking Europe and we hit up Castelfiorentino. Oh my gosh. So cool. It's so crazy. It's crazy because literally no one knows that town except me and you (laughs) and your sister. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's so, it's so funny because like that, that's the town where, yeah, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, they, they renovated a house after they, um, after they um, fell in love. It's my, my, it was my father-in-law's second marriage because my Stefano's mom sadly passed away. Um, in 99. So they, yeah, my mother-in-law loves it there. She's actually from Trentino and she doesn't want to go back <laughs> because she loves Tuscany. So oh, I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so jealous that you have an excuse to go there all the time. And it's a great place because where she is, and I don't, or I don't remember if we uh, touched on where exactly you guys stayed in Castel Fiorentino, but she was up in this neighborhood called Renai. And it's on top of a hill, so it's not from from the center of Castel Fiorentino. You kind of go up a hill, and the sunsets from her terrace are just to die for. Like uh, so, it's just amazing. I just it's awesome. so funny that I happen to email you and you're like, I know Castel Fiorentino too. That's great. <laughs> I know, I know. I love it. I love it. Well, Katie, before we get too far down the road, why don't you tell everyone just a little bit about yourself, about uh, your podcast, the tours that you do, just a little bit about you so that so that everyone can get to know you. Yeah, so my podcast is called um, Florence and Me. Um, I start from the beginning. Um, I don't have seasons. I'm not cool like you guys. Um, <laughs> I have gone, I'm on episode 70 something. Um, But at the beginning of my podcast, I talk about my journey of living abroad and like studying abroad and all that stuff. And then it goes into like travel tips and stuff. I try to give as much information to my audience as possible. Um, And yeah, so I've been living on and off in Florence, Italy um, for about 20 years. I started as, like I said, studying abroad um, with my university, St. Mary's in Winona, Minnesota. And uh, yeah, I got caught. I got the travel bug. I got caught. And I, I didn't, I, every chance I got, I wanted to go back. So after I got the boring um, corporate job after college, um, I wanted to take a sabbatical and I tried to do that <laughs> and get paid for it. And my boss at Motorola um, did not like that. And they're like, we can't pay you to go learn Italian for three months. I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm going to quit. <laughs> so I quit my job in 2005. Um, 
I spent three months in Florence studying the language, meeting new friends, reconnecting with friends I met studied when I was studying abroad. And a couple more years go by and I still am like, God, I want to go back. I want to go back. I don't belong here outside of Chicago. And I found a nanny service out of Torino and they paired me up with a family um, in Florence. And so I spent the year, uh, nine months of 2007, uh, from January to September, with this family who had a gorgeous um, country home, which I still now use as part of my retreats. We rent the villas there. And yeah, so I was a nanny for nine months, learning Italian throughout those nine months. I took a, a course in Florence. And then I came back. I just couldn't find a way to stay. And then finally in um, in 2008, let's see, yeah, 2008, I became a travel writer. And I did a travel writing workshop in Rome in May. And then I happened to find another au pair slash teaching English with the family in June. And I lived outside of Florence in a town called Grassina. And uh, yeah, and I just took some odd jobs through that that summer um, until I came back finally again, thanks to credit cards, um, to uh, outside of Chicago um, in 2008. And then finally in 2008, I decided, I'm like, there's got to be a better way. I, I had tried the um, getting my Italian citizenship through my grandmother because she was born in Emilia Romagna, but that was too much work. Um, she had changed her name and also changed her birth year. Um, so that was not something that I wanted to go down the bureaucracy hole that is Italy. And I forgot that my mom was born in London. So I went the British route. And since the um, UK was still part of the EU back in 2008, I got my passport and citizenship within three months. I was granted citizenship by March um, 2009. When I applied in January, I went to the consulate in downtown Chicago in May of 2009, got sworn in, swore to the queen. And then by July 2009, I had my passport in hand and I had already bought my ticket and I was off to live in Florence legally as a resident. So I cool. love that. Yeah. It's like where there's a will, there's a way. Like you're proof of that. It, yeah, I was determined. Nothing was going to stop me and it didn't. I kept going. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so you ended up being a resident there. Um, what, what happened after that? So after that, so I've, I lived there from 2009 to about 2013, end of 2013. Well, I was a English teacher throughout those four years, um, did other kind of odd jobs. And then, um, I met my husband, um, somebody that told me one of the first things he told me, he's like, I'm never going to speak English because we live in Italy, we speak Italian. I'm like, okay, don't worry. I don't want you to speak English. He never learned, he learned a little bit of English. He has an aunt that's from England, but like he did not want to learn English. And then he happened to, you know, I took him over for Christmas one year in 2012 and a few and a few other times we went to Florida to visit my family. And um, he was like, God, this is like amazing America. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's great, but I want to stay in Italy. And he's like, well, I want to I want to try. He's like, I want to give it a try. Why don't we move to the States? And I'm like, well, you can't just move to the States. He's like, why not? I'm like, well, you have to ask me to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> and so within like, yeah, a few months after that, like he popped the question on our anniversary of our first date and like, yeah, so 
He was, the, I found the one Italian and there's not a lot of Italians that leave their homeland and he was like willing to try and start from the bottom. So Stefano and I have now been married for almost next year. This year is nine. Next year will be 10 years. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. 10 years. That's great. And you're right. Nobody leaves Italy. No. And all of his friends were like, what are you going to do? You're going to eat McDonald's all the time. You're going to like, I'm like, we're like, okay, are you watching way too many like sitcoms? Like, because even his family, like some of my, um, his aunts and uncles were just like, Oh, Stefano, you're going to get so fat. And you know, Italians oh. are pretty like, and I'm like, no, he's not, he's not going to get fat. So I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. So it was a leap of faith. He was willing to do anything. And just this past July, actually, he was promoted at um, the district. Um, he works for a high school district in my town. And um, he's in, now in charge of, like, a school, like, being a building supervisor. So oh I'm so gosh. proud of him. It's, like a, it's awesome. like a typical immigrant story, like, not typical, but, like, a, a happy immigrant story that he, he started from the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, he was fired from his first job because, basically, they said he didn't speak English well. It was very um, not good. And, um, and then, yeah, he just like found the first job he found. And then he has a, he had a great um, boss where he was at this other school and he like helped him and mentored him. And, and like, yeah, I, I'm just so proud of him because it's kind of like what I did reverse. Like I did the same thing. You know, I went and found jobs. Like I went to random schools in Florence and like said, Hey, do you need a teacher? Like, <laughs> cause I can teach. And yeah, <laughs> I just walked in and like, just poured my heart out like yeah and that's he's he's um he's a rare breed of Italian because (laughs) a lot of Italian men like to do that yeah that's awesome okay so with you know with you being um uh you having been an Italian resident and your husband being from Italy and your podcast is so focused on Italy I I love that because I feel like you're able to give such practical advice to people and I was Mm -hmm. wondering if you know for our listeners um who are paying attention and maybe really thinking about booking that next trip to Italy what would you say to someone who is going to Italy for the first time what would be kind of your general guidance and I'm sure you give this guidance to your own um individuals that you're taking on tours all the time um what what advice do you give yeah I I really strongly always start with like try to speak the language do the best you can to ask for dove bagno or just the simple questions that you need like um I'm trying to think of like another simple question, but il bagno is like the bathroom. That's usually people just say il bagno and like add an X, like a, like a question mark sound after it. Um, but like try to like learn an actual phrase. Like my favorite phrase is like, which is an important phrase in Italy, vorrei un bicchiere di vino rosso. I would like a glass of red wine. Oh, <laughs> Please, that's, that's a, a good, good one. Yeah. yeah, so that's a, that's always a fun one to play with. Um, I talk about that one a lot because it's the first, it's that one phrase is the one that made me um, really want to stay longer because there's just so much to the language and so much to the culture. Yeah. And this one bartender, when I was studying abroad, he spoke perfect English and he's just like, well, I'm not going to give you this glass of wine until you say this correctly. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, okay. So then I kept practicing until he was like, okay, that's good enough. Like, here's your glass of wine. <laughs> but like, I'll always remember that phrase. So vorrei un bicchiere di vino rosso. It's just like, 
the most beautiful sound. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so try to speak, try to speak the language. Maybe a, a great um, option is to get Duolingo on your on your phone. It's a really great app because you can speak, you can pronounce, um, they pronounce it to you, then you can repeat it back. Another one that's good is Google Translate because it's come a long way since um, when I studied abroad. So it's actually pretty accurate. And I will say that because my my parents um, and my in-laws actually met up in Italy when we weren't there for uh, my, my other cousin got married to an Italian and they met in Venice and they literally had a conversation for about an hour and a half on Google Translate. So you can do it with that. I think that's a great great option. So very much try to speak the language because Italians love when you try to speak their language. Don't expect any place you walk into is going to repeat something back to you in English because they're not. They're, you're in Italy. You got to just get in your head. You're in a different country. Um, another one is go where the locals go. And I don't know if you guys did this when you were in Italy or anywhere else, but like find that neighborhood that's outside of the center of a big city or in a small city, you're fine because usually there's one street, so <laughs> you're probably fine. But when you're in like Florence, for example, I have um, some neighborhood guides that I have on my website for purchase. And the the neighborhood I stayed in was called Statuto. And it's not far from the city center. And now that there's a tram, there's a tram via and there's a lot of buses, it's easy to get around. And I would just recommend going where the locals live. Like it's residential, there's a few pizzerias, there's a grocery store nearby. Because that's where you're going to learn the language. You're going to go to those open air markets that tourists aren't going to go to because they're not going to come out to Statuto. So definitely try to find places to stay and also where to eat, which is another one. Don't go to your your Rick Steves book or your Let's Go Italy book. Like try to really research. TripAdvisor is good. I mean, I've used that before, um, but maybe try to like contact me. I can tell you where the locals go. <laughs> Because I, I have consulting calls. We can talk about what, you know, I can give you re restaurant recommendations and stuff as well. Um, because that's, again, where you're going to get the culture. You're going to get those simple dishes that you're not going to get at a tourist trap, which is one, I, I, a tourist trap, if you don't know what that is, is when you go to a restaurant and um, you see every single flag around the world on the menu. <laughs> Yeah. And um, the menu is translated in all different languages. And they usually ask you right away, like, what language? Like, you English? Okay, here. And they throw the menu at you. So try to stay away from those. If they have multiple languages on the menu, that's not that's not a good place to go. Um, and then, yeah, I said, stay with the locals. Go. And then the last one I always emphasize is, like, get lost. Put your phone down. Turn your data off. Um, and just walk around the small city you're in or the big city and try to get back to where you are staying. Find those landmarks, use those eyes that are attached to your head and actually immerse yourself in the culture and really look around you. Cause I think we're so hell bent on being our device on our device and like, Oh my God, like I lost my phone. Where do I go? Like, no, you, you can look at your, with your eyes and make sure you know the name of the street your hotel's on. And like, ask people that's where there's people on the street like ask people do you know where hotel savoy is or or whatever your hotel name is and ask them this is where um communication is good and like our socialization is a little down because of covid but like ask people don't feel bad about it like even if you don't understand maybe write down the name of the hotel and show it to an italian and say hey where is this dove dove like that is the most important thing 
just to try and communicate with these people. So getting lost does not mean you're going to be lost, <laughs> but it's yeah. going to make it, it's going to help you like really find the city and get to know the city when you are just like off the beaten path and not attached to your device. Yeah. So yeah, those are my big, big ones that I think I would recommend. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think talking to a local is such a such a cool thing and finding out some of the some of the best things that we found were recommendations from somebody that was local that we had no idea about before we before we walked mm -hmm. in. And and I agree with you too. Like some of the most fascinating things we we did everywhere we went was just go to a grocery store mm -hmm. and, and just kind of look around and, and see what's yeah. there. So it uh, it's a yeah, lot of fun what what like maybe what brands you know because there's a lot of american brands now that have come to the come to italy but like it's just funny just just to see like the deli and the, all the cheeses oh my god like i'm just thinking about it now like just <laughs> everything's out there it's just like and then like, you can see the old little ladies like next to the the produce and they're just like chit-chatting and like i don't it's just like it is an experience like you don't even have to buy anything that's a great way to like look at people and see how things work like that's yeah. a great i can't believe that's awesome you guys did that well, and you know, you, you've shared a little bit of your story, but tell us what, like, what really made you fall in love with travel? That's, you know, we're kind of talking about that this episode. So for you that you fell so much in love with travel that, you know, it, 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 uh, it moved you to, to make a, a big change. So what made you fall in love with travel? Um, I think at the time when I was 21, 22, like it was, the uncertainty of what's to come. I was always yeah. earning for something awesome to happen when I studied abroad. Like we would go to these random places in Cinque Terre. We, we traveled, we went to London for a long weekend. Like we did all these really like things that you probably wouldn't do when you're like, quote unquote, an adult, like late thirties, forties, like just go up and go. And like, I'm going to go to Cinque Terre for the week for the weekend. Oh, I'm going to go to Venice during Carnivale. Um, not something I'll do now. Cause I hate crowds, but like, <laughs> like, but like, these things, like, I feel like I, I was very much in, in um, search of something that was going to just change my perspective on what I knew before studying abroad or before traveling. So like I would randomly also just like, there's a lot of immigrants and a lot of like um, Africans and stuff coming up from Africa and Moroccans and everything that that would be selling, which you guys probably remember, like selling the, you know, the faux bags on the streets of Florence mm -hmm. and stuff. And sometimes like I'd randomly be like walking through a park and one of them would be sitting on a, on a bench and like say like, hey, do you have spare change? I'm like, you know what I do? And then I ended up like having a conversation with this this African just like a short one, like, and he was just telling me about his life. And I'm like, you know, wow, like, you don't really do that in the States. Like, mm -hmm. we have right. a different way of like, approaching people. But like, because I was surrounded by people that were either European, Irish, um, Australian, um, African, Moroccan, Albanian, Croatian, like every the all different ethnicities. And you don't even know, like, you don't know their story. And then like, if I was sitting at a pub or, um, or at a wine bar or something and someone walked in and they started talking to me, I'm like, Oh, Hey. So like, I don't know. There was just something about me, like trying to understand other people because I was taught in a way, like, you know, I think mean, we're all taught in a way when we, when we grow up and we socialize and stuff, we, we don't always ask a lot of questions, 
But then when you're traveling and you're that young and you're early twenties, mid twenties, like you want to know things like, Hey, where did you come from? Like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like I didn't even know you were English cause Scottish accents. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a Scottish person, like in a really thick accent. They do not sound like they're speaking English. Oh, right. right. For sure. I had a friend, I had a friend named Simon who owned this pub in Florence and I seriously, I, every time I ran into him, I'm like, Simon, are you drunk? Because I really can't understand you. And he's like, no, I'm going to work. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like every time I'm like, can you just speak slower? He's like, how much slower can I just think? Like, <laughs> I really feel like the first time I met my friend Yvonne, who was from Ireland, like I couldn't understand her either. And she speaks English, but it's Irish. Like it's yep. just those things in your brain. You're like, oh my God, like, why can't I understand her? She said she's from Ireland. Like, why right. can't I Yeah. <laughs> like, those types of things really caught me. Like, I want to learn more about people. I want to yeah. learn about different cultures. And I doesn't have to be just Italians, but I want to learn about people that I, I met a girl that was from, um, oh God, what was it? Libya. She was from Libya. And at the time when I was living there, there was like a big war going on in Libya. And like, I learned about her culture and I learned about what was going on there and how she escaped. Like, though, the, I, I think there's just so much more to life. If you don't go outside of your box, which is your country, your city, wherever, you don't really get to understand people and you don't get to understand where people are stand and where, where people come from. Mm-hmm. And, and like Anthony Bourdain would do, like he would just randomly go to like people in the street and start sitting there and eating with them. Like that, that's the type of mentality I have. Like, I mean, I don't, it's not like I would do that, but I mean, in the sense of like, I like to get to know people and I want to know like their story. And I, and that's why I've told my story over and over again on my podcast and talked about things with other people, because it's just, once you know people's story, you can catch, you, that's where connection happens. Yeah. And you, and you can find things that are in common and you can maybe find things that, you, that aren't in common. Like when, one last thing I'll say is like, like when Saddam Hussein was opposed, like supposedly, you know, um, assassinated, whoever I was in Italy at the time. And all the Italians were looking at me like, why do you guys always go into places and kill people? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not in charge of the government. Like, right. you know, I'm so right. like, I, I, but like, that's the perspective that they had about us at that time. Like, why do you guys always run in and start just killing the population? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. Like, and, but you see that side mm-hmm. as opposed to the States, you see us in a different way. So you get to also see your country in a different way. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, Absolutely. so basically, yeah, yeah I couldn't, so couldn't agree more. The perspective yeah. you get is just so, so different when you travel than than anything you could be exposed to if you never leave. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Well, and honestly, Katie, that's where we want to go with this conversation, too, because, you know, we're all talking about in this episode, like how travel has changed your life. Can you elaborate a little bit? You know, you were talking about how what made you fall in love with it. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. on how Katie is different now because she has traveled the world and spent so much time abroad? Mm. How have I changed? Oh, God. Yeah. Um. Well, I still want to move back to Italy. That hasn't changed. (laughs) Um, I still want to move back. Um, I think, I think I just see things. I I have a hard time connecting with people here because I've seen so much. Mm. Uh, So like when people ask me um, to go to like my high school reunion, I'm like, why? Like I, 
I won't connect with any of you. I, I ran into a, a girlfriend of mine that she actually has been teaching um, in different countries. She just spent nine years in Chile and now she's in Tokyo um, with her, with her family. She's like two kids and stuff. And, and, and I told her the same, the same story. And she's like, yeah, I would never go to a high school reunion because nobody will understand us, Katie. I'm like, I know nobody's going to understand what we've seen and what we've experienced. So I think I just, I see myself, I just see myself in a place. Oh God, I don't even know how to answer this now <laughs> because I know I answered it before. <laughs> but like I, I'm, it's changed me in so many different ways um, where I, I like to find I like to find people that are interested, especially the people that want to come on retreats with me or use my excursion planning. I want people to want to see things in a different way when they travel. So not the cookie cutter, um, you know, large tour bus, follow the flower type of tour. Like I, I want, I really want to show them Italy the way I see it and introduce them to my friends because that's the way I see it. And it's changed me wholeheartedly in every part of my being, even working at this job I'm in doing full time, which I love because the people are amazing, but I still like on my desktop is, is Florence. <laughs> like, you know, I'm constantly thinking of a way to get back to Florence and live there permanently. And that's why these retreats help me. So I think it's just changed me in the way I react. I, I'm the perspectives I've have about things because when things happen in like Ukraine, like, you know, I, I can understand the, the, the turmoil and, and the heartache that's going on there, because even though it's not that close to Florence or Italy, but it's in Europe, like it's affecting Europe. Like my mother-in-law would tell me at the beginning of that war, be like, I, I pray to God, like this thing ends because it's horrible what's happening over there because it is so close, but it doesn't affect it Italians like, you know, like where it is like in Ukraine but yeah I think there's just a lot of different perspectives I've had about life and about how I carry myself through life because of travel because I've seen so many things yeah yeah I know there's so many times at least for me that like you have conversations with people or even when you are traveling that you just you just wish you could pick somebody up and take them somewhere and yeah. show them and just like if you just spend like half an hour here you'll understand but it's hope it's so hard to convey yeah it is and I, and I really think that like I remember specifically when I was working at Motorola um this was in 2004 and I had a few colleagues that would be like because I kept saying you know I'm moving back like I would tell these people I'm like I'm going back to Florence I'm moving back whatever and and they're just like there's this one guy that really stuck out in my head because he constantly would tell me he's like Katie why would you want to go anywhere you could just read it in a book I'm like excuse me <laughs> no it's not like you can but it's not the same thing like yeah. that always annoyed me and I'm just like gosh you just you don't even know like you are missing out that's what I yeah. said that's yeah FOMO is real like because <laughs> yeah you are missing out if you don't travel and you don't take yourself out of your comfort zone. And that's why I think there's a lot, there's a majority of Americans that just don't want to leave this country. Why not? There's just so much out there. And you guys are one to say, like you went all through Europe, like you've seen it. And I'm sure your perspective is completely different coming back to the States, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. and it's, I think sometimes people think of, um, change as a bad thing, but the fact that it's changed me, feels so good. 
you know, like it feels so good to be changed by these experiences and you just want someone else to get to experience the joy of evolving as a person in that way. Totally. Totally. I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, for, for you, you get to take people on tours and do consulting and stuff like that. So what, what are some of the, the changes that you've seen happen to the people that, that take your tours? Cause I imagine like you're exposing them to, like you said, something different than, than they have ever even had the chance to do. So what, what are some changes that you've seen in people? I think, I think the biggest one is I just remember this last group I had and the, this group that I had, they were between 60 and 70 years old. And, and I just remember their mouths always open like just looking around Santa and like going to San Gimignano and they're just like, what? Like, and just always on their phone, like taking all these pictures and like, and they, 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 in a chorus, they would say like, God, I wish I did this sooner. Like, I wish I traveled younger and I was more, you know, mobile and I was able to, you know, get around more and do more things. But I mean, I think, I think that's the biggest regret. And like, I have a quote that I always put on my like posts and stuff on social media, like, um, no one ever, no one ever says at the end of their life that they wish they traveled less. Mm, like, yeah. no, like yeah. don't say that. I know I don't, I didn't say that. I don't remember who, what quote it was from. I don't, I don't quote the name, but I just found that quote somewhere. And I'm like, oh my God, no, nobody ever says like at the end of their life. Oh God, why did I travel to all those places and cruise ships and everything? Uh-huh. <laughs> Everyone's like, God, I wish I traveled more. But yeah, I think definitely they, they change in the way they see things, the way they taste things. Like my mother-in-law is our chef throughout the week and, and she made just these simple recipes and they were just like flabbergasted. Like, what is this real? Like, where, where did this food come from? How did she do this? And she would just look like humbly at me, like, what are they upset with the food? I'm like, no, they love it. They <laughs> English. So she's like, I don't understand what they're, I'm like, they just love it. They think it's amazing. She's like, it's just a simple crepe. Like, why are they freaking out? Like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why it's so amazing. I'm like, because it is, it's simple. There's like three ingredients and she added ricotta cheese. Like, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, that sounds great. there's all these little things that came, that came out through the week, like the pizza party they talked about a lot because Maria and Vincenzo who owned the villa, they have a pizza. They made a pizza oven this past, um, actually now it's been a year and a half that he they, he built it outside in the garden and so we have a pizza party one night and maria is amazing cook so she makes a million pizzas and just keeps putting them into our mouths like so and they were like that's one of those things that one of the guests keeps bringing up to me he still says to this day he's like i keep thinking about that pizza it's so good i'm like i know I'm like you had your own personal pizza oven right outside your door um but yeah that's those are like the biggest things that they they just wish that they traveled more um, before they did it before. And just like all the tastes and sounds and sights that they actually are seeing with their eyes and not through like a movie screen or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's just amazing. Yeah. To see yeah. that. The richness that it brings you whenever like, it's, it's not just that you're tasting it, it's that you're tasting it. And it's so much, um, more, uh, I don't know when I think of it, like I think of like some of the, even the flavors and stuff, you're like, I've never, I've had mozzarella cheese before, but it has yeah. never tasted like this. I didn't know it could and yeah. things like that. Yeah. 
Totally, totally. The the other quote that just came into my head is like, um, the only thing that makes you richer. Wait, no, travel is the only thing that makes you richer. <laughs> yes, it is. Mm. I really believe it. I, I like believe it. it. You know. Yeah. 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 Well, for us too, for us too, I feel like every, we keep uh, saving up money and we're like, well, what are we going to do with it? We're going to experience something else or we're going to help somebody else experience the travel that we've gotten to do because just the idea that we've gotten to do it, we just want so badly for someone else to get to do that. I, I just implore people to go out and travel, try things you've never eaten before um, step out of that comfort zone that is your home, that is your city, that is your state, that is your country, like go different places because you'll never, you'll, I don't, I really believe this. You're never really living unless you actually travel and see other places because you, that's, that's the experience. Like uh, your life. Yeah. It might be in the States or might be somewhere else in a city, but there's so much else going on in this world that you can't see on the news. You can't find on the internet. <laughs> you know, you, I, I think I, I just wish, and I hope that people take that step and actually COVID probably sh- shared that, um, showed that to a lot of people, like go out of that step out of your box. It's going to be okay. Go with a friend, take your, st- take the steps towards the airport <laughs> and get on a plane and find a place that, Find a place that you've always wanted to go to and take the leap and the net will appear and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's just that, that those butterflies are normal. Being vulnerable is great, especially when you don't speak the language. Oh my God. It's just like the best feeling trying to communicate and maybe not for everybody, but like, I find, I remember feeling like, oh my God, like, I really want to understand this person. I don't know what they're saying, but I'm really excited. Like, I don't know what they're saying. (laughs) I really want to know. But yeah, and I think it just opens you up to just a completely different world. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely. And tell people how they can get a hold of you if they want to take advantage of going on one of your tours or some of your consults or or any of that. How how can they find you? Yeah, um, they can find me at trulyitaly.tours. That has all my information about my uh, consulting calls, excursion planning, and all my retreats. Um, I also have the podcast, which is Florence and me, which you can hear my voice and I cry a lot on that podcast. There's a lot of things happen. <laughs> I'm very emotional. <laughs> I don't cut anything out. I don't edit like, um, Hillary and Jamin, but <laughs> it's very raw. It's very fun. Um, you can learn more about me there. Um, I have a few podcast episodes that those of you that are traveling and maybe we can put, you guys can put these in the notes, but like. If you're looking, if you're wondering exactly what that tourist trap was I was talking about on episode 64 is how to spot a tourist trap. Um, episode 40, I talk about things to avoid like gypsies, <laughs> like people that, you know, try to pick a buck at you. Mm-hmm. Episode 38, I talk all about train travel and driving in Italy. So, um, yeah, those are, those would be really good episodes if you're about to travel to Italy that I'd recommend. Man, those episodes specifically, I'm like, I think that's really going to help people. I'm so glad (laughs) we can point them in your direction. That's wonderful. Yeah. You might be getting some bookings from us uh, before you know it, Uh because we're just very tempted by all of this right now. So it's definitely on our radar. So I want to average at least two a year. I'm going to try, I'm trying to book up um, two next year. So I have a yoga retreat in May um, at that villa where I was a nanny. 
And then September 2024 is at the villa in Castel Fiorentino. So if Hillary, if you want to come back. Awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I have an early bird promo for that one, um, the September one. So if you book by um, October 1st, um, you get $200 off. So Okay. Nice. Good to know. Yeah. Thanks for shouting that out. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Katie. This is some really practical advice, but also really motivational. I'm glad, guys, and I appreciate it. And yeah, hope to see you in uh, in person in Tuscany someday. Let's awesome. do it. That was so great. I really enjoyed talking with Katie. If you guys want a really unique and authentic Italian experience, go book one of Katie's trips. And if you book before October 1st, you will get some of those savings that she was talking about. So be sure to check it out. Make sure that you are following along, that you are subscribed from wherever you watch or listen, because we have some great stuff coming up. Our next episode starts our America season. Um, we are traveling in an Airstream trailer all over the U.S. and Canada, so you're going to want to make sure that you are tuned in for that. We've got a lot of great stuff, a lot of learning experiences that yes. we had along the way of stuff that we did wrong, and maybe you can not do them. But um, if you're like, man, I I like listening to nonsense from Hillary and Jamin, but I don't want to go to Europe just yet. Uh, well, we're about to take you around the U.S. That's right. And if you're into national parks, you are going to really love it because we hit up a lot, a lot of, them. of national parks. And we learn a lot about national parks. And if you haven't been there and you're thinking about going, we could share some really valuable information because we were surprised at some of the things that we learned. <laughs> so I'm really yes. looking forward to that, that next season. You guys can follow us to stay in tune with all of that on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. We are out there. Be sure to sign up. And then there's another way you can contact us and you can actually give us tips <laughs> by sharing <laughs> your own stories. Yeah, absolutely. We want to hear how travel has changed your life. And you can share that with us a couple of ways, both are through email. Uh, you can reach us at travelfomopodcast at gmail.com. And what you can do is you can type out your story, how travel has made you different, uh, maybe something that you've learned that you want to share, and we'll read it here on the podcast to share with the Travel FOMO family. Or you can record a voice memo and send it to us uh, via email at travelfomopodcast at gmail.com. And we'll just plug it right in so that you can say it yourself. Uh, we're really interested to hear from you. Uh, we want to share it with everybody. So hopefully you will take advantage of that and drop us a line. That's right. We will let you guys go because life is short, but you can make it longer by wandering well. <laughs> <laughs>